Welcome to episode 121 of Sports Clicks and Politics, a season four edition of Sports Clicks and Politics. I know you yelled at me last time because I arbitrarily, arbitrarily made the seasons end uh, yearly. I don't think you can count that as yelling at you. I, I merely mean, pointed it out yeah. in a measured tone. <laughs> Either way. All right, season four ish. We go don't with know. Season four. I will say that I've held off on calling it season four because, as we had talked about, um, about kind of tweaking the show for 2023. So um, I'm going to keep it season three until we hash out all the tweaks, and then we'll call it season four. And we'll I go like from it. There. So with that, welcome to season three, episode 121, folks. Uh, we thank you for joining us here on this. January 2nd of 2023, the first show of 2023. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, hopefully everybody had a great holiday. Uh, got all their coal and gifts. I mean, I, I sent a, a meme around to some people that people in New England were rooting for coal. They wanted to be bad the day before <laughs> Santa got here so that they could get some coal to heat their house. It's probably not wrong. No. And Happy New Year to you. Hey, Happy New Year to you, my friend. So uh, how was your, uh, I guess we didn't. We haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks here, so uh, did you have any uh, Ben Hughes song type? Like, we, there's got to be like a Griswold slash Hughes song comparison somehow. Like, you take the family out, like the Griswolds do, and you're the Hughes songs. But right, so there should be yeah. a docu series on that. I mean, maybe. you and your yurts, my yurt, no yurts in the winter for me. I, I sat that one out, but we did have family Christmas party on Friday before Christmas, so we had about 30, 35 people over to the house for that. Saturday, we did all the normal stuff, went to the Christmas pa- Christmas mass, Christmas Eve mass. Uh, my kids were involved in the pageant, telling the story of the birth of Christ, which was hilarious because my youngest son is the most animated child ever with zero attention span, and they let him be Joseph. <laughs> and they asked me ahead of time, I was like, ah, he'll do it. it. It won't be perfect. So he was just dramatically overacting all the scenes, and it was so, ac- like, he didn't mean to make make like a mockery yeah. of it. But it ended up being so funny. Uh, so then we we have a normal routine of Chinese food, family game night. What are you, Jewish? I mean, I'm raising my kids to understand oh. different cultures, all right? <laughs> and I always laugh when I pick up my Chinese food and the, the woman behind the counter is like, Merry Christmas. And I instantly like, you too. You don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Whatever. Thank you. I mean, listen, I'm I'm willing to bet. That the Chinese food places celebrate Christmas a little differently, but they celebrate for sure. They're happy with it. For <laughs> Hell sure. yeah, they're yeah. happy. So we always do that. We get Chinese. We go back. Family game night, family movie, send the kids to bed. It was a great time. Santa was very good to my children this year. And then Sunday, we were supposed to go to Buffalo. Christmas Day, we get up. We do the present thing. We do a big breakfast, French toast, bacon, sausage, the whole nine. And then Buffalo was not an option. So we hung out at the house for a little bit. I did have to get my oldest son back to Rochester, which was which was viable. So I did that, and then came back, went to my aunt's house for another Christmas party. Made it out to Buffalo on Tuesday to celebrate Christmas. Down and back one day, which was super exciting when the through was closed for the beginning part. Long day that day. Came back in. Um, then it got crazy, because then we had some people coming in for New Year's. So we had some projects to get done around the house. Moved the chickens outside, got the chicken coop all set up, 
got the bunny cages all reestablished, and so we did all that. Um, are the chickens still alive? Eight out of eight, baby. Wow. That's right. You guys are like old, like a farmer. Listen, it was so comical. This is a guy I went to college with and his wife. We, we The three of us all were freshmen at LaSalle University. Go Explorers. Together. Lionel Simmons. Back. Sure. You remember Lionel Simmons? No. What? It was Lionel Simmons. He was the best basketball player ever to come out of LaSalle. Oh, yeah. Played like, in the NBA for quite a while. Like a lottery pick before there was lotteries. When did he graduate? Uh, so like probably in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Okay. We looked that up Again. for you. Go ahead. I was born in 84. I don't know why you expect me to remember these but things. But it's, it's the only basketball player ever to come out of LaSalle. But go I ahead. I only went to LaSalle for one year. And then it turns out I was not going to be a doctor, so I transferred away. But wonderful people. Love them to death. They came up with their kids for a visit. And that was when it really, like, Chris... Graduated in 1990. All right, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't remember 86 that. 86 to 1990. First round pick. Seventh overall. Uh, not bad. Yeah, I said he was good. Sacramento Kings. I mean, Sacramento Kings are terrible, so that's why he didn't really pan out. But, That'll happen. But anyway, LaSalle on the map. There you go, baby. Um, that was what it all crystallized for me of how weird our life actually is because they came and had been to the house in a while. So he looked out back, and he's like, is this the four-season fire pit? I was like, yep. And I was so excited. I was like, it's almost done. We just got to chop some logs off. He's like, that's great. And he's like, what's around? I'm like, oh, we got like four raised beds for growing food. He's like, okay. And, like, and then that's three apple trees on the other side, and we got the blueberry bushes planted over here. And he started to look at me funny, and I was like, and that's the chicken coop. And he just burst out laughing, and I was like, yeah, yeah. So then that night, I was like, all right, guys, everybody put your socks and boots on. We got to go out, and we got to move the chickens from the lower level to the upper level to make sure that nothing kills them. And I just started laughing because he's like, you are the most interesting human being I know. He's like, I, 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 I don't understand how you do the things you do, but I love everything about it. I was like, yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, we got our own mini farm working now. Oh, McDonald had a farm somehow. Oh, baby. I that. love it. It's so fun. Listen, if you have ever even thought about it, just try it. It's so much fun to do all this stuff, and it's such a good Don't do it on a whim. Kids. They're living things, so have a plan. <laughs> just, just saying. I guess. <laughs> Don't right. just do it. I mean, do it with some thought. I mean, you can say. do it with some thought, yes. Do some planning, but it's not as bad as you think it would be. It's not as hard as you think it would be. And you get all the eggs. And you get all. I have eight eggs. They're going to lay 290 eggs per year. I'll each. take some eggs. I'll give you some eggs. I got Bring it. We're going to be eggs. these weird people that give away like canned food and eggs for everything because we're just going to have too much. Yeah. Well, I eat a lot of eggs. So Remember when I bought that whole cow in the fall? Yeah. Right. So I've gone through like 90% of the steaks. Okay. All right. But it's a big but. I think I still have like 200 pounds of ground beef, and I'm staring at it like, I don't know how I'm going to go through all this. Meatloaf. I think I'm going to try to barter with ground beef with people. So if you're interested in bartering for something, you have something, and you want ground beef, get in touch with me because we can make it happen. I'll, faci- I'll facilitate that. If you uh, have no way of getting a hold of Mr. Hughesung, I can make that happen for you. So There we go. On that note, please leave a like for Mr. Hughesung and the misses and the kids on the farm. Um <laughs> Gentleman Farmer is my preferred title. Okay, Gentleman Farmer. Gentleman Farmer. Uh, leave us a like, subscribe to the channel, rate and review the uh, audio podcast, and uh, uh, share this all with your friends and family and uh, promote the show. Like, as I said, I, we can talk a little bit about this right now. We haven't really talked about it in depth ourselves even, but we are thinking about tweaking the show, being a little bit more interview-based. We've done some uh, really cool interviews here over the years, and uh, I think we want to kind of bring that uh, aspect of our show to the uh, audience uh, in a little more of a of a purposeful way, uh, trying to uh, 
broaden our discussions and bring out some people and uh, maybe challenge our own uh, thoughts and along the way. So always a plus. Uh, on that note, I I I told you I posted the George Howard interview on uh, uh, YouTube because we were banned when we interviewed him. We were still suspended for ivermectin. After today's show, we're probably about we're to probably gonna be banned now. Again. I just said ivermectin. Yeah, why do you keep doing this to us? I forgot. That's all right. Listen, you tried to sabotage us already this morning. We're not going to go there. Um, I did. You did. I did. Um, we're not covering that story. So Coward. But anyway, if you guys are fans of the Ancient Apocalypse series out on uh, Netflix, very popular series with Graham Hancock talking about ancient civilizations and how there was a, 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 a theory out there that they, a comet wiped this civilization off the map, George Howard is one of the... Uh, sources of all that information here. He uh, has worked with Randall Carlson, Graham Hancock, uh, and the like uh, about this. Uh, he is the director of the Comet Research Group. So please go check out that interview uh, out on YouTube. If you haven't already, check it out. It's one of my favorite interviews that we've had so far. So um, I don't know. Uh, Want to talk football? Yeah. Let's get down to the end here. Uh, Your Steelers. Alive, baby. Oh. We need help from the Bills. What do the Bills need to do? So here's the scenario for the Steelers. All right, hit me. Since they won last night, uh-huh. they are now 8-8. Eight and eight. Yep. On a side note, keeping the streak of Mike Tomlin's never having a losing record as a coach intact at Very right now. impressive. It's crazy that he's at – they're 7-2 they're and two with J.J. Watt this year, just for the record. You mean T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, sorry. You know J.J. Watt, who retired, is going to come back and play for the Steelers next year in a playoff push, right? Like I hope so. They're going to come back and be the brothers tandem on the end. That'd be pretty cool. It would be very cool. Because they already got the other brother, too. Steelers, their fullback, the other Watt, is on their team. Sure. So they would have all three Watts. And they got two of the Edmonds or one of the Edmonds. Yeah, I don't know. Jermaine Edmonds' brother. He's a linebacker for the Bills. His brother plays oh, for the Steelers. okay. Well, all in the family. Oh, well. Anyways, well, go I on. guarantee they're going to talk to each other this week because the Steelers need to beat the Browns next week. This upcoming week, week yes. 18, yes. So right now, the scenario is Steelers are in if they beat the Browns, the Bills beat the Jets. Patriots. No, Bills beat the Patriots, yep. and the Jets beat the Dolphins. So I need two AFC East teams, the Bills. I mean, I think all of this is plausible. I don't all think feasible. any. Yeah, all, none of this is like some cockamamie idea where I'm like, there's no chance. This is just whatever. Now, mind you, I've seen the Steelers... I don't know if you remember when Ryan suck up with the Chiefs and needed to make like a 17-yard field goal to knock the Steelers, to put the Steelers, they were going to eliminate whoever they were playing and put the Steelers in the playoffs and suck up fucking missed it. So Ouch. suck up is appropriate more than any I've ever heard. So I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch sure. to use your own uh, home phrase, but uh, the Steelers have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs, which is mind-boggling it's a little awesome. bit. It's pretty I'm crazy. Listen, I'll be rooting for them, just to say. I still go back to the 2004 season where the Bills... Literally had a win and in playoff game, all or win and in last season, last game of the season, playing the Steelers. Steelers had nothing to play for, bench their starters. I was at that game, and the Bills still lost. I was at that game. It was so lots of terrible towels at that game. (laughs) I've been to a couple Steelers Bills games in Buffalo, and the Steelers travel well. I mean, it's only a couple, you know, a few hours. So I mean, they they get right up right up ninety, right? So and the Bills at that point, it was still like the Bills had been good for so long, and then were terrible. So the fans were still like, "I'm not going." They stink, and then they stunk for so long that the city kind of rallied around them again. Of like, "Come on, let's go!" Yeah. Oh well. Any other? uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to go through any of these uh, surprising uh, potential playoff teams. I mean, I don't know. I think we've kind of talked about the the teams at the top. I still think it's pretty much a I don't know what the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals. I think that's it. I think that's the only teams that can win it. Like I'm not even I can't I don't I can't 
I can't project the Niners to win with Brock Purdy. Doesn't seem likely. It's I know their skilled players are sure. unbelievable and their defense is great, but I mean, come on. I I don't disagree with that. The Eagles are still quite good. Yeah, very good. Um, and they're going to get Jalen Hurts back, and yep. that'll that'll make a big difference. I think the Cowboys are somewhat overvalued and, and um, I don't know, overappreciated maybe. Yeah, listen, I there was a they peaked I think too early, if yeah. you will. I mean, for the Cowboys peaking, I'm saying, but I mean they have players. You know, I listen. Other than I think their running backs are good. I mean, Zeke's definitely on the downside, but still productive. CeeDee Lamb's good, but the rest of their offensive players, eh, I mean, questionable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think on the on the AFC I don't think they're side. Super Bowl caliber. Like, they don't strike me as anybody could on any given day. I mean, listen, we've seen the, well, I guess back in the day it was the eight seed, the low seed, the, the Steelers and the Giants both run through. Six. Six seed, okay. Either way, they ran through a bunch of, you know, had to go, go through a, four road games to get to the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. have done it and won. So it can be done. Yes. And looking like the Bengals last year, right? I mean, they, they got hot and they just kind of steamrolled everybody. But I still think it's. Those four teams, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, which are all in the AFC, and the Eagles in the NFC. I, I, I mean, I, the Niners, and they're definitely not the Vikings. I don't know. Do you think Tom Brady can pull it all together? They look pretty good this yes. week. Yes. Listen, I've been saying this all along. Tom Brady is going to get to the playoffs again because that division is a joke. And once Tom Brady's in the playoffs, all bets are off. You just The idea that anybody would write them off because they've had a mediocre season is like you've learned nothing in the last 22 years. Do not write this man off. Yeah, and they've clinched their division, so they're in. So, who knows about that? They, I, Listen, could, could they beat anybody? I, I, hang on. Also, for a minute, the Green Bay Packers suddenly don't look terrible. I'm sorry, but Justin Jefferson got shut down. That is the first team all season that has shut down Justin Jefferson. I can't believe they did it. So, they have a legitimate team. They are starting to come together, and they you like you never ever count out the truly great quarterbacks. You just can't. I mean, I only. You know what's interesting no. is, and I, I didn't. I didn't just realizing this now, but the Packers and the Vikings or Lions, both eight and eight, both on the bubble, play each other this week. In where are they playing? Looks like they are. Let's see. At Green Bay. Green Bay hosting the Lions. Probably a play-in game, I I'm going to guess winner goes. So it says on the bubble here, and I on, uh, I apologize for not reading too much into this. They would have to, I'm guessing they would have to knock somebody out, or no? They're the only two teams. Yeah, I guess maybe one of those teams gets in. Probably winner gets in, I'm guessing. I don't know what happens with a tie. We're not going to go down that avenue. But. Nah, it's too much. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. I, you know, the NFL playoffs is always great. They're... You know, they say any given Sunday, you know, a team can happen. I don't know if any given Sunday can happen three, four times in a row, which is why I kind of limited my prospective Super Bowl winners to those four teams. But let's go Steelers. I'll root for them. I mean, I'm still cheering for the Bills. Big one tonight, Allen versus Burrow. You better, if the Bills win, actually, wait, the Bills would play the Steelers if everything happened and the Chiefs maintained the number one spot. Now the Bills have the number one spot right now because they have the tiebreaker. So the only reason the Chiefs are above is because the Bills haven't played yet today. If the Bills win tonight, they have the tiebreaker against the Chiefs. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So the Steelers, I'm guessing, would be, I don't know how, again, the tiebreakers work at the bottom of the heap there, so I'm guessing they would be the last team in, but so they would play the two seed, I guess, but 
That'd be that's if the Bills I'll win tonight it. and next week. They, right. If the Bills win out, they have the number one seed. They, they control their So own they're playing for something. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, they are. And then you want the road to the Super Bowl to go through Orchard Park if you're the Bills. That's for sure. That's gonna, you don't yeah. want to go back to Arrowhead. No. That's the biggest thing. No. Oh, well. Let's yeah. see what happens. It's, it's all fun. Exciting. Uh, yeah, all fun. And like I said, let's go Steelers. Ho- hopefully that. Hopefully we'll figure out a way to to these guys to make the playoffs. That'd be just to keep my season alive for a little while here. All right. I'm I'm realizing as we speak right now that I forgot to check my winning DraftKings. So I could be like a millionaire right now. I don't even know. Fingers crossed. I know I I know I cashed because I'm sure you don't, weren't watching riveted to the NBA games last night. There was only three, but I had a really good lineup going. I had uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, 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 their game got suspended like with six minutes left in the game, and I was just I, something happened with some technical like the lights or the clock oh or something. So I just went to bed. But I, I had an email saying that my account has been credited. I don't know how much I won. Anyway, let's move on to uh, another one of our. I don't know how, how to say this, but um, typical or uh, one of our uh, most popular topics of discussion here, but. Jeffrey Epstein has um, made his way into the news again. U.S. Virgin Islands sued J.P. Morgan Chase over handling of Jeffrey Epstein accounts. Now, their assertion is, this is uh, coming from, let's see if I, uh, Denise George, who's the Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands, filed a lawsuit Tuesday against J.P. Morgan Chase, alleging that the bank ignored suspicious financial activity and received financial gain from Jeffrey Epstein's illegal activities. The suit claims that J.P. Morgan participated in a sex trafficking venture willfully failed to comply with federal banking law and engaged in unfair methods of competition. So the assertion is here is that Jeffrey Epstein needed all this cash to kind of make his uh, uh, evil empire evil empire operate and that I'm guessing there were other banks because Deutsche Bank has been implicated in this as well. But J.P. Morgan here apparently may have been aware and covering up these transactions. Obviously, Epstein needed a bunch of cash to uh, pay all these people their services and... I don't know that this goes anywhere. This is the second time the banks have been sued in relation or uh, in, uh, in relation to Jeffrey Epstein's here. But uh, the more potential lawsuits and potential disclosure, the better for me. I root for things to happen. I have told you this and told anybody who ever asked me, nothing ever happens to these people. So I just keep kind of report on them and hopefully I'm wrong someday. But, but yeah, so I have to ask, go ahead. Are you surprised that, an AG actually went and sued the banks over Jeffrey Epstein. So this particular attorney general, I've read multiple things. She's she is not playing the game. She is not part of the the system. She is not part of the establishment. You she know does, what else she's not anymore? She she. I think it's a she. I know. I was. Oh, I I'm you my were, bad. I, I didn't see the pronoun joke. That was a good one. Though. Well done. <laughs> but you know what? She no longer is the attorney general for the U.S. Virgin Islands. <clears throat> oh yeah. How did that work out? Breaking U.S. Virgin Islands AG Denise George terminated just days after filing suit against J.P. Morgan to chase claiming Jeffrey Epstein used the bank to facilitate sex trafficking activities on Little St. James. And then as a little side, I can't verify this part. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. FYI, the Bidens spent the holidays in the Virgin Islands. I think I saw pictures of that. So I probably expect that to be true. So... Ladies and gentlemen, the Attorney General sues J.P. Morgan for facilitating the illegal activities of the world's most renowned pedophile sex trafficker, and in response is terminated. I'm sure it's unrelated. The world is broken. It's literally just broke. I mean, like I said, there's no, there's no, 
there's no unwinding any of it. Like it literally just needs to collapse. And I just don't know who's in position to pull out the, pull out the rug. Right. Like I, there's everything. Somebody seems to be, uh, uh, against the establishment on the side of, uh, truth and, uh, uh, justice. They, you know, this is not the first person in position of investigative, uh, powers in this case who have been terminated or removed from the case. So it is what it is, I guess. Terrible. But again, I expect nothing to come of this, especially now that the, uh, attorney general has been terminated. So, I mean, we'll have to verify that, but this looks legitimately like, and like I said, she's been, I mean, for a couple of years now, she has been in the mix for this. So this is not something new for her. So she must have been on the radar of uh, the lizard people for longer than just this week anyway. So craziness, craziness in the world that we live. It's, more, it's, worse, it's that, worse than a clown world. Remember when Acosta was the uh, AG and he gave Epstein that sweetheart He deal? was the, uh, yeah, he was the, well, he was the Florida he was state the attorney AG? general. He was the, uh, yeah, he was like a U.S. attorney. For oh, the, for the state of Florida. Yeah. That's right. He didn't get fired for giving no, he got promoted. a sweetheart deal. He got he, promoted. Secretary of Labor. My goodness. It's a broken, broken thing, man. I, if, if the Epstein thing doesn't break the matrix, if you will, nothing ever will, right? Like this is clearly out in the open. Everybody knows what's happening. Everybody knows that there was a bunch of adults who were, you know, fraternizing as a nice term with underage, uh, uh, quote unquote prostitutes. But none of those are, none of those names are, are available to us. They're literally just basically trash the, the victims and let the, uh, the adult Johns go away. So it's a terrible world. That's all I can say. All right, let's let's move on to something more terrible. This is so mind blowing. It's terrible. It's I, the idea that this isn't front page news on every single newspaper, media outlet, TV channel. I don't know what more evidence you need that this system is broken, and that we are being run by people that do not have our best interests at heart. Do you think there'll ever be an Epstein files? I know we're going to get to the Twitter files later. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be wonderful. It's not going to happen. But people would die. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like it might, uh, unfortunately, it might be worth it. All right, let's switch gears a little bit again, too. So, another terrible stories, or this is at least not as terrible, but just as corrupt, I guess. So, Sam Bankman Freed, I guess tomorrow, uh, is going to plead not guilty. Um, we'll see whatever happens there. I don't, you know. We've, they've already had a bunch of shenanigans going on. We're here. He was arrested the day before his uh, congressional testimony is supposed to happen. He, uh, you know, I, I see his girlfriend flipped. So that's interesting. You know. hundred years in federal prison will do that to somebody. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but it turns out, and most of the reporting, we kind of hinted on this when we first touched on this, is the FTX and the Alameda, which is the uh, uh, trading wing of the SBF empire, I guess, were intermingled from the beginning. There was no separation of these two companies, uh, as SBF had claimed. You know, he said basically they're independent of each other, but it it all the evidence shows that they were mingled from the beginning, from the very beginning, and there was no separation from these two. So, I mean, I don't know how this unfolds. I don't a non guilty, uh, a not guilty uh, plea from SBF is, you know, not 
not somehow shocking unless he had kind of worked out a deal with the feds already, which I guess is <laughs> probably in the works. But I did see that they secured something like $3.5 billion of tokens from FTX are being held in custody. So at least they have some of this money. They supposedly, got like 15%. Like they're something. doing great. They got something. Uh, so I don't know when and if that'll all end up back in the hands of uh, uh, customers of FTX, but $3.5 billion is not nothing, at least. I don't know. We'll, we'll pay attention to this and see what happens with the plea tomorrow, but this seems like just, uh, I mean, I've been saying this is an inside job pretty much from the beginning because it's all the people connected are all the people that, it seems like there's a big overlap of all these corruptive things, no matter what the actual angle is. It's the same people at the end, just... Yep, mind-boggling. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on, on Sam Bankman-Fried, but uh, supposedly going to plead not guilty tomorrow, so we'll see if that uh, uh, turns out to be true. Let's update another one of our one most fun stories that we had on here. Ray Epps. Ray Epps is... Um, let me fix the video here for you guys. Uh, apparently he was... We all know Ray Epps. He was the guy filmed on January 5th and January 6th, basically... Uh, preaching if you will to uh for uh supporters at the uh the rally there to or whatever to enter the capitol to uh basically violate we're uh, gonna go trespassing yeah the capitol so let me let me get this up here so you guys can read it let me fix the uh um the visual here uh sorry so I, I don't have it pulled up here, right? Let me read this for you here. So, so there's a trans, so there's a January 21st, 2022 transcript of Epps interview in the January 6th committee. So he's conversing, texting back and forth with his nephew, Dalen, I'm going to pronounce it, D-A-L-I-N. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, Dalen or Dalen. Okay. So apparently it's Ray Epps' uh, cousin, Dalen Epps. Quote, unquote, this is, in response to Dalen Epps asking Ray Epps if he was safe and uh, uh, okay during the, the Capitol riots, he's like, I was in front with a few others. I also orchestrated it, quote unquote. This is from Ray Epps. So I know he says that. A receding cons- gums conspiracy- and decaying teeth. This is probably a bad. There we go. Um, sorry, hit it, clicked an ad. So Ray Epps, the person who is still un- not arrested who is not in custody at all has apparently, you know, been at least having conversations with federal investigators about this and literally says, I orchestrated it. Not part of the investigation whatsoever. Mr. Hussong. It's just amazing. It's ridiculous. Remember, I think it was Adam Kinzinger went on TV and said, the idea that we didn't investigate this man is just false. We did investigate him and there was nothing there. So, Admitting to orchestrating it is nothing, apparently, <laughs> to the people who are in charge. Listen, if you still take this January 6th committee seriously, I, I have nothing for you. I, I just wish you the best of luck. The idea that you can't see by now what a blatant and total collection of shit that was, I, I have no words. Like You should be laughing at these people because this 
was a joke. This was a waste of your taxpayer dollars. That's all it was. This was all designed so that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger could get some highlight moments and hopes of re-election. And literally the only good thing that came out of the January 6th committee is the fact that they both lost their re-election bids as a direct result of being involved with the January 6th committee. I guess, and Adam Kinzinger technically didn't even run. But he didn't run because he knew he was going to get shellacked. All right, let's not pretend like it was some altruistic motive. I know he feels really good about himself because he's got that hashtag fella written next to his bio on Twitter. Awesome job, Adam. And Liz Cheney, I know, she had that principled veteran politician Dick Cheney come up and stand up and do an ad for her about standing up for what's right. Little bit like Darth Vader promoting the good side of the force. Like, but you know, neither here nor there. Um, these people are a joke. And I can't the idea that Ray Epps, if you want to say, if you are one of the true believers that that January 6th was an attempted insurrection at overturning the result of an election, and you are not outraged that Ray Epps is not currently under arrest, you are full of shit. Sorry. There is no way to balance these two things in any other way. You are a hypocrite. You are you don't actually believe it. You just want it to be true because you don't like Donald Trump. Sorry. Or you've been spoon-fed so much nonsense from the mainstream media, from the legacy media companies, that you can no longer discern truth from propaganda. Because that's all this was. This was propaganda. And it's going to continue. They're not going to stop. Yeah. I mean... I'm assuming now that this uh, January 6th, I mean, whatever they're going to try to, they're always going to try to, you know, implicate Trump somehow. But this is, it seems as though when this type of evidence comes around, that's all that the story goes underground for a little while, right? Like they don't like, oh, let's not talk about this for a while because we're just going to basically add fuel to the fire. But, but if you guys look on, uh, you know, I, I have for those listening at home, you cannot see this, but I put up the, from the January 6th.house.gov, the communication and basically of the quote of Ray Epps, you know, it's the communication with his, yeah, it's a text message. And basically the January 6th committee is asking about this and he admits it and nothing crickets. Effing crickets. So Trump can't be this clean, right? Like that's not possible. How are they missing him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're making me try to come up with a, I, I can't wrap my brain around it. <laughs> They are throwing everything at this guy, and he's like, Teflon. It's not possible. Like, Bill Clinton's not even this untouchable. I don't understand how, with all these investigations, tax records being released, documents that are supposed to remain under seal being unsealed, like, all of this stuff, you still can't come up with an indictment of anything? Yeah. Listen, I think if they really, really wanted to get him, they could go after him with the Epstein stuff, but they can't because it would take down the whole kit and caboodle. So, yeah, I'm not... I've said to some early Trump supporters that the thing that takes him down is his his uh, unseemly uh, personal life is, you know, in regards to these women and other women. And obviously he has, you know, I, I, I refer to uh, Donald Trump as the rapey P.T. Barnum. Um, there's no concrete evidence that he's that guy, but there's a bunch of smoke there, man. So I listen. It yes, is it, it is what it is. All right, let's switch off this nonsense to more nonsense. It's all nonsense at this point. George Santos. Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's talk about George Santos. Um, It's amazing. So this guy, 
Representative-elect from New York, New York, uh, the third uh, congressional district in New York City. I think it's like uh, Long Nassau County. Sure. And uh, maybe thereabouts, uh, whatever. This guy, Republican, gay, Latino, Jewish, mom died on 9-11, worked for Goldman Sachs, went to Baruch College. None of it is real. None of it. <laughs> and he won. The fact that none of this came out until, well, none of it came out in the real press until after he won is not shocking anymore because our media is terrible. I hope you're using the word real press ironically here. I guess. Like, it's like a hipster talking about records. Yeah. It's, I mean, because I shared you the, uh, some like the Long Island leader or whatever, some like, yeah, some, some small, paper. some local, small, small little local paper reported basically in, there were a Republican outfit like the, the, uh, the paper itself kind of leans right. And they were like, as much as we would like to endorse a Republican, we can't because this guy's full of shit. So people knew that he was full of shit. He ran for Congress two years ago or four years ago, whatever it was, again. And the disclosure was massively different from what he disclosed two years ago to what he disclosed this year. And nobody even caught on. Nobody was like, oh, wow, he had a hell of a two years. This guy legitimately claimed that his mother died in 9-11 on Twitter. It's like a yeah. way of ending a discussion with somebody else. Like, I will not stand for this. I lost my mother to 9-11. Yeah. And she nope. died of cancer like 10 years later. Something like that. Not even, it was like, it was more than 10. It was like 15 years later. I mean, listen, it, I'm sorry that your mother died of cancer. Sure. If you can relate it back to the air quality after 9-11, okay. But I think we can all agree that to say that your mother died on, from 9-11 might be a bit of a stretch after 15 years. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that. Yeah, but. He's going to be sworn into office tomorrow. This guy is... He's going to be a congressman tomorrow. I know. And this guy was like what either ran or was the, was involved with a Ponzi scheme while he was a financial guy and, and was stealing money, buying... Yeah, he's got some... Expenses. He says there's, there's some charges against him in Brazil, which I haven't seen corroborated and confirmed by any means. He has steadfastly denied any of that. There's a, a, a litany of stuff that I, I list off the top of my head, but there's a bunch of more stuff that he just lied about Constantly. Like he was literally now tell me this wouldn't be the best though. And I, I, uh, in our, uh, screenshot there, our thumbnail, I, I put Epic troll with a question mark, right? Wouldn't it be just the best thing of all time that this dude was like, this whole system's broke. It's all run on lies. I'm going to lie my way to the top and I'm going to show everybody that you can just lie your way to the top and just continue to lie. Cause there's no technically, I mean, depending on what you're lying about, like lying is not illegal, right? So no. like, he could just make up shit for two more years. I would love it if he just starts making up shit. But if he becomes a congressman who is, I don't know, voting in accordance with the people who he represents, they might vote for him again in 2024. I literally, if, if he, it would be great for him to just admit it after he gets elected, be like, you guys are all idiots. Look at me. I just lied to your faces for two straight years and you, everybody elected me and here I am, I'm a congressperson and you can do nothing about it, right? That would be my... I would love for him to come out and be like, yeah, we're just trolling this whole system and it worked out. Now, I don't think that's actually the case. But I feel like there's this, I mean, I don't know if do you have some specific George Santos hot take. I don't. I Do you think he serves his full term? Yeah. Two years? I, I mean. If you were him, why would you back out? You I would. No, 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 no. He's not. Yeah, no. He so, Something would have to, something additional of dire import would have to come to light for him to resign or be uh, held some account from the congressional 
it's still the same problem with like all, everybody about the election integrity and how they've they've established that there was all kinds of fraud and whatever else. Fine. There is no mechanism in the Constitution of the United States that allows you to unseat a president after the election has been certified and install a new one. It does not exist. So you can want it to be true. You could say that that's the fair and equitable thing. Or you can think these people are all nuts and that they should just shut up and go away. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with anybody. But there is no mechanism by which you could do that. The same way that this guy won. The fact that he lied cannot be grounds to unseat him. It's just not reality. Because my God, if you did that... Imagine how many politicians would have to give up their seat if all you had to establish was that they're full of shit. You want to go to the top and then go straight to the president? I would, yeah, like I let's mean, the guy who had to drop there. out of the eighty-eight presidential race oh for lying God. and plagiarizing. That guy, the guy I graduated at the top of my class, Syracuse University. You graduated eighty-first out of eighty-four students. That top of your class, two degrees. Nope, you had one academic scholarship. Nope, nope. you didn't. Like, these these were not gray areas. These were blatant lies about yeah, and his And there's resume. more, too. Oh, it's the guy, the senator from Connecticut, Blumenthal, right? He said he was a veteran. Oh, not he, not a veteran. No. <laughs> no there's I, others. There's plenty of there's others. There's so many of these people that lie on their resume. Yes, George Santos took it to a new level with just a blatant. Every aspect. Uh, yeah, like. I mean, it was literally like a, he's told the greatest story of all time. He That's just why, made it up. Right, yeah, which is, you know, he should. Basically it's actually kind of funny. Like, yeah, always, no, it's totally funny. I always go back to 2016, and I think this is the path we're going to continue head down. Not, not the Donald Trump part of 2016, but the, the idea that in Oklahoma, Joe Exotic ran for governor and literally got 20% of the vote. Like, one in five people looked at Tiger King and went, yep. That's not a vote for competence. That is a vote against the system. Yeah. And that as, is as was Trump and Sanders in 16. But Trump, go ahead. Yes. Trump is a was at least somewhat of a it, it was a vote against the system and it was a vote of there was there was a people that looked at it and said he's just at least he's honest. And he's saying, I know the system is broken because I've profited from the broken system. I'm the one who's been doing it. And everybody went, holy crap. And but with Joe Exotic, there was no there was no platform. There was no nothing. It was literally and there was no there was a Republican and a Democrat candidate going for governor. And he was a third party who got 20 percent of the vote. That is an FU vote to the entire system because people have given up on the system being just and fair and real. So imagine what will happen 10 years from now as more stuff happens, like the AG of, of the Virgin Islands getting fired for bringing charges against a bank. Every time another one of these stories comes out, you lose another small percentage of people that just go, oh, my God, the system is just broken. This is so much worse than I realized. Like, you and I are on the fringes of conspiracy theory right now, and I don't think we're scratching the surface of how far this system really is gone. I don't, even think, I don't think we went far enough in how broken this actually is. That's what I find very concerning. Yeah, let me read a quote here from uh, your boy George Santos. I'm not resigning. If I have to leave Congress... It's going to be by a pink slip by the voters November of 2024. Two years of George Santos. This could be great. It'd be hilarious. This could be a, I'm going to have to make a recurring box on our, our, uh, our graphics for George Santos because I expect this story to kind of continue for a little while. Maybe they'll bring back the lie counter that they had during the entire Trump presidency. <laughs> I always love it when people point that out to me, like uh, 32,000 lies or mistruths or misdirections in, the fir- in four years. Like, okay, hey, what's Biden's count at? Like, I don't know. Like, try Googling it. Oh, there's not one? Shocker. Man, that's so... Wait, let's, what about Obama? Did we have one that? Oh, no, we didn't have one there either. Oh, geez. Bush? No? There was a few 
there was a few whoppers during the Bush presidency, all right? That maybe we could have kept. No, no, those don't count. All right. And I guess me, only Donald Trump has ever lied well in office. Yeah, let me let me wrap this uh, story up here. So I'll read this from the Hill. So that, this is uh, in, in speaking about removing a congressman. So the House can expel members with a two-thirds majority vote, but that rarely happens. Only five House members have been expelled in the history of Congress, three in 19, or 1861 for supporting the Confederacy, and two in 1980 and 2002 after criminal convictions of conspiracy to commit bribery. So legal ramifications and whatever you want to call what happened in 1861 uh, as a problem. Like Pretty that unlikely one. that this guy is going to be removed. He's going to, I, you know, unless something we don't know yet happens, but it seems as though we're going to have two years of George Santos. That could be great. Man. It's going to be fun. And speaking of George Santos... He represents one of 220 Republicans in the House. 222. 222, I think. House members. I think that's what they won. They won. 222. How many votes does Kevin McCarthy need to become Speaker of the House, Mr. Husung? 218 is the number. 218 is the answer. So, and he, George Santos, this is, is already uh, a... Kevin McCarthy supporter and said he would vote for Kevin McCarthy as speaker. So zero chance Kevin McCarthy's removing George Santos, right? <laughs> he needs his vote a hundred percent. Zero chance. Cause there are nine right now. Nine. There's you know, did you know that there has never the the Speaker of the House has been voted on in the first vote like 155 straight years. Okay. 155 straight times or whatever whatever the number is. I, I if I can find it again, I'll pull it up. But it it happens as a formality. Sure. For the most part. So right now there are nine Republicans who have said we're not voting for Kevin McCarthy. Period. End of story. Yes. Right. So that there are no Democrats voting for Kevin McCarthy. No. Zero chance. No. And the weird nuance of how the House Speaker is the first order of business tomorrow is vote on the Speaker of the House, and they vote alphabetically, and they just basically throw out a name. So you go Andy Briggs, right? Who is a known anti-Kevin McCarthy guy, he's going to be early on. He's going to, I don't know, throw out a name other than Kevin McCarthy for sure. Sure. And there's going to be a bunch of names that are going to be thrown out there. And Kevin McCarthy's not going to have 218 votes on this first vote. It could last. I mean, there could be a prolonged campaign for this House speakership, and this could be a reoccurring weekly thing for us for months if it doesn't go the way Kevin McCarthy wants it to go. That's so, funny. Um, hey, do you remember 2018 when the squad was going to not vote for Nancy Pelosi and they were going to stand up to the system? Feckless. And then the vote happened and they all folded like a table yeah. under pressure? That was yeah, hilarious. which, you know, listen, I don't have any kind of faith in the Republicans per se oh, God, no. where I'm like, hey, they're going to, you know, finally hold this guy in the, the system to account by any means. But some of them, like, I don't, like, the Andy Briggs and the Matt Gates and the Thomas Masseys of the world, like they're not voting for Kevin McCarthy, period, end of story. There's enough of them that I will not vote for him. So uh, so there was this new concession that uh, McCarthy made, basically to try to throw a bone to these nine people. And they, they haven't bought, they haven't bit into the uh, offer that was, oh, let me, let me, uh, let me backtrack this because I have this. So this is a, a quote about what I was telling you about uh the session speaker vote could turn into an entertaining spectacle of parallel. Since 1923, every speaker has won on the first vote. Since 1923. So whatever that year's at is. In 1855. 100 years ago. 
1855, the battle of house leadership, however, spanned two months and 133 votes. Let's hope we get that. Yes. That'd be fun. That'll give us tons of content. Let's go with Speaker of the House, Thomas Massey. That would be great. Listen, you know Ron Paul's going to get votes. Rand Paul. No, Ron Paul. Anybody can be Speaker of the House. You do not have to be an elected official at all. We're going to get Trump, aren't we? I uh, I wouldn't guarantee. I don't know who of the nine would throw out Trump, but there's already, I mean, Thomas Massey has hinted that he would throw out Ron Paul already, so I would take that. I mean, epic upon epicness. I don't even know how to. I don't think I could talk to you for like two days. It would, yeah, I would have to I'd go have into to hiding. Give you time. Yeah, I would need to go in. I would have to go into some kind of meditation for a while to recalibrate my life. Yes, because I wouldn't know how to handle it. But anyway, so I find this. So they did pass this stipulation where, or Kevin McCarthy threw out this bone to these nine folks and basically said, "We're going to allow if any five House members." Um, want to remove a speaker that they can bring it to the floor, right? So this was, they they want one person to be able to bring it to the floor, these nine people. They want to be able to basically depose Kevin McCarthy. They want to have a mechanism to depose him if he's shit. So McCarthy basically said, hey, okay, well, if you guys can get five people then together, then we'll bring that to, we'll allow that to be brought to the floor. So in theory, that's supposed to, again, throwing a bone to these nine folks that they can remove him if he's terrible, Right. It didn't seem to work. The nine people, the, those nine people wrote a letter to McCarthy basically saying, we're not voting for you. We're, it was a letter of non-support. So, wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been interested in speaker races before, but as you point out, they always seem to be anticlimactic. Like everybody always falls in line at the end. This one feels different. Um, and maybe because I'm just biased and I want it to happen, but I always want it to happen. But I don't know. This one feels like it's not going to be a first vote. I, all right, I can't speak for all of them because I don't know them well. I've followed Thomas Massey's career pretty closely. As um, about, yeah. And I do think that if you ask me to guess or bet on the, who would stick to their principles more between AOC and Thomas Massey, I would tell you Thomas Massey 10 times out of 10. Uh, I think it's because Thomas Massey could leave Congress tomorrow and have an illustrious career in life without any change, with, with nothing to do with politics. Wouldn't have to do a book tour, wouldn't have to go on a speaking dude, circuit. Dude powers his house with a broken Tesla. Yes. He's a genius. Like, he's just an incredibly smart guy. He's got an Ivy League degrees. MIT. Too. And he just, like, he has a self-sufficient home, completely off the grid already. Like, this guy, he has, he doesn't need this. So he has, somebody who doesn't need it is much harder to buy. Because yeah, and this guy's already been raked over the coals for all of his actions already. I mean, this dude was yes. has been vilified by both parties. There is no loyalty to Thomas. Like, nobody's giving Thomas Massey anything, so he's not going to give them anything. Like, he is literally a man amongst, on, on his own. He is, he's an island. He's an island, for sure. So, I think it's going to be hard for him. Matt, I mean, the dude wouldn't even join the Freedom Caucus. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he That's never, he's like, funny. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, pigeonholed into whatever they're thinking. I want to be my own. He voted with them almost all the time. Yeah. Right, but purposely... Did not join, even join the Freedom Caucus. So he is clearly a, a man of his own. Yeah, he's tra- he, he values being his own independent. And he's not really a Republican. He's a libertarian yeah. in, in all reality. So I, I don't think you're getting him. I don't. And now if you have other people that are on that same wavelength, then that's going to be the hard thing because it only takes five. It, it, it only takes five people. And, and here's the other problem. 
Kevin McCarthy is responsible for what for the Republicans not taking the Senate and for the Republicans not taking more seats in the House. He has no one to blame but himself. His his strategy was horrific. He put himself first and wanted to only back Republicans that he knew would support him. So if you're a principled Republican, why would you vote for this guy? I, I, I mean, other than, well, that's what the party says. Okay, fine. But what has he actually done to earn it? Because he is not living up to the values and ideals. He, he didn't put the party first, so why should I? Yeah, nobody cares about the party. What they care about is being paid by Kevin McCarthy, right? So right. these people who vote for Kevin McCarthy know that their bread's going to get buttered by Kevin McCarthy and his, whoever he's going he's gonna, to, he, you know, he's in charge of committee positions. He's in charge of a bunch of things that will make life very easy for, if you, for you if you vote for him. Um, as you point out, some of these people don't care. They right. don't want things to be easy, and they're like, we just want you out. Let me see if I can play this Matt Gates thing, because it's pretty... Uh, uh, not that I'm a huge Matt Gates fan either, but you could, you, he'd have to be a pretty good actor to kind of fake this disdain he has for Kevin McCarthy. I'm not voting for Kevin McCarthy for speaker because I think he's just a shill of the establishment. I think that Kevin McCarthy is little more than a vessel through which lobbyists and special interests operate. And the reason most of my Republican colleagues are supporting him is because they benefit from the redistribution of lobbyist and special interest money. So... Probably what I said, but just in a better, more concise way, right? Sounds like a hard no. Yeah. I mean, so there are, and I've heard Steve Scalise, uh, uh, Scalise names as a potential speaker as opposed to Kevin McCarthy that some people are going to name. So maybe he's the, 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 I don't know. I, Steve Scalise, I don't know enough about him to paint him as establishment or anti-establishment by any means. He's been there for a little while. I feel like that's the dude who got shot at the it is. baseball game or softball, softball game, whatever game. it was. So I'm guessing he's better than Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy's terrible, but I'm not sure that he's the answer either. But I just, you know, I would like there to be this prolonged discussion about the functionality of the House because right now it does not function. I mean, maybe you know this. There has been no amendment offered to a piece of legislation on the bill since Paul Ryan was the Speaker of the House. So no congressional member can offer an amendment to any bill. It's like the leadership comes down and says, here's the bill. You vote on it, yes or no, yay or nay, no no, no, no amendments, no nothing. If you're a Republican, you vote for it. If you're a Democrat, you don't vote for it or vice versa, depending on the bill. But there is no input from Congress. Congress is completely broken. Uh, Justin Amash, former congressman, uh, from Michigan has pointed this out many, many times that there is no, the con- the Congress is not functioning as a body of the people. It's functioning from a top down. Hey, this is how we're going to move forward. You're in, or we're going to primary you basically is how it works. So I don't know. I, I want this to be a absolute tire fire for months. Whatever upsets the apple cart. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm on too, buddy. Cause this system is broken. Yeah. It is not and, working. And that's really what I'm hoping is that this will just cause a a public discussion of the functionality of the people's house, right? Like this is not working the way it's supposed to work. And hopefully just just this little thing, which I see is a, it's probably a big thing since the Speaker of the House is third in command of the country. But, I mean, this there should be an outrage from the people about the operating effectiveness of the House, and they're, they're just not, so... No, I'm rooting for terrible. chaos. Yeah, always. I and I think it, reality. I know that that comes with pain for real people. I I understand that, but the reality is the pain is inevitable. It's coming. 
Because the longer you let something that is corrupt and unjust go on, you can only go on for so long. We are so far out of balance. We are so accepting of corruption at the top levels of our government, and we do nothing about it, that this is unsustainable. At some point, the pain comes. So if there's going to be pain, let's just have it already. You can't keep kicking this can down the road forever. At some point, this is going to come undone because it's just out of balance. And anytime something like that happens, it's inevitable. So it's coming. I would rather just get it out of the way. Like, let's just go. I, I don't know what else to tell you. This is, I'm not the one who allowed it to get to this point, but it's at this point, and pretending like it's not isn't going to do anybody any favors. So, the hell with it. I, like, it's coming one way or the other. This system that was designed as the, this is supposed to be the people's house, the representatives of the people. The Senate is the representative of the states. The House of Representatives are supposed to represent the people. They don't. They're not allowed to debate anything. They're not allowed to, like, add anything. Every bill that comes down is just rammed through, and instead they're bribed or blackmailed. This is not a functioning democracy. This is not a functioning republic. This is a pay-to-play Ponzi scheme filled with people that are all on the take for whatever given thing they want. Why do you think Chuck Schumer's in charge of the Democrats in the Senate? Because he has Wall Street money to give out. That's it. There's no other reason. I, I mean, this isn't complicated. So... How long are we supposed to just go with this? Because, well, my life's pretty good, so it's okay that this goes on. I'm just thinking of this in my head right now, but Brandon Williams is going to be very late in the roll call with a W. But I saw that Steve Scalise was at one of his fundraisers. Mm. So, mm, interesting. Very interesting. I have to keep an eye on uh, Mr. Williams, our uh, own here representative, and newly elected, and see how he uh, participates in his first speaker vote. Before we go on to the next, anything else yeah. we want to say? No, on this? go ahead. I forgot to add this in the pre-show notes, and I'm sorry. I meant to bring this up. Did you see Kathy Hochul reversed her course on what's best for the state? Um, I mean, I saw that she broke some glass ceiling today, being uh, sworn in as the first elected female governor of New York. Oh, no, I don't care about that. Um, what actually happened that was so incredible was that she finally acknowledged out loud we have got to stop the exodus of people living, leaving the state. It's really going to cause us harm or something to that effect. Same woman who like four months ago said, if you're a Republican or you're going to vote Republican, get on a bus and go to Florida because you're not a real New Yorker is now like, hey, we really got to stop losing people. Which she's, is it, Kathy? She's a lizard person. She is not even a lizard person. I guess chameleon would count. She is whatever suits her at any given time. There is no strategy. There is no, like, long-term play. It That's is, she's married into the lizard people. Yes, and her husband running Delaware North is, like, head legal counsel, and then the Bills get a sweetheart $800 million, like the largest stadium deal ever from taxpayer taxpayer funds. And yeah. and then the, the we talked about, Jesus, when was our last show? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. Two weeks ago. Uh, how they gave the sweetheart contract to the COVID testing people. Now yeah. they're suing her. Yeah. I think that's hilarious yeah. because she is, I, congratulations on being the first elected female governor of the state of New York. You're she a is a moron. She is not a smart person. You can hear it when she talks. She gets lost in a three-word sentence. It's just a, remarkable that we had so many people in this state vote for this woman. Again, you want a sign that your system is broken? Kathy Hochul won an election. Full stop. I get Lee Zeldin was a terrible candidate, and I am not arguing against that. If Lee Zeldin had won, I'd make the same claim. The fact that those two were the only ones that were available demonstrates everything about my point. This system is broken. There is not one person outside of Hunter Biden that believes Joe Biden is the most qualified person to be the leader of this country. Okay? Joe Biden doesn't even believe that. Hunter Biden probably does. But to be fair, he's high. 
So the idea that this is what we got, this should not be acceptable to anybody. Like the revolution happened over less injustice than what we're dealing with right now. That's what I find so mind-blowing. You realize like the tax that the re the founding fathers really rebelled against and what finally like pushed them over the edge was like a 4% tax. And they were like, this is inhumane. Now, I, property tax, sales tax, income tax, liquor tax, gasoline tax, travel tax, like the amount of- You forgot the tax. death tax. And the death tax. How could I forget? Ooh, right. I still love, and this is so random, and I remember this, but George Steinbrenner died the year that they couldn't work out the estate tax, and so he died without one. I was like, I swear to God, he did it on purpose. Yeah. Guaranteed that dude offed himself so that he could just avoid the estate tax. Yeah, I'm gonna, I pulled up that article that you referenced here. Uh, so digital gadgets, and we'll get back to, we'll move on to the COVID files here in a second, but digital gadgets, they're a New Jersey company who basically <clears throat> had COVID tests, COVID kits. Right. Um. They had a $637 million contract with Governor Hochul. And they sold us these test kits for significantly more money than they sold them to anywhere else. Double, I believe, is for the, the record. number. Double and the so cost. Digital, gads digital Gadgets now is suing New York State because they're saying that... So apparently New York State set up contract uh, submitting guidelines. Like, hey, you have to meet all this criteria to kind of be to work with this state uh, with these COVIDs. So digital gadgets is saying, Hey, they set up all these rules so that we could narrow down the, the prospective uh, contract right. people. And we're one of the only ones who actually meet all these criteria. And yet you just disregarded your own criteria to go get tests from somebody else. Cause they haven't bought any tests from this company since that, that thing. So now digital gadgets is probably pissed because they probably, they probably massaged the, the actual policy, the contract wording, so that they knew exactly how to get into the no-bid contracts, basically be the only one who would fit the criteria. And then New York is disregarding their own criteria that was probably set up by Digital Gadgets. So they're pissed. Good. Shocker. I don't care. I just want disclosure. Good for you. I want everybody to understand how full of shit this woman actually is and how corrupt she actually is because it's terrible. And it's not just her. It's a part of the system, and she is nothing more than a part of yeah, the system. Yeah, she just inherited the system. Right. She's not a. She's not some revolutionary thinker that's coming in to try to change things. No, she's yeah. like, well, this is the system, and this is what I'm going to do, and that's why she was saying all those things because she thought it would help her get elected. And then apparently somebody showed her the math about what's going to happen to this state if they keep losing people and, I don't know, tax base. That like it's not it's not good. And Andrew Cuomo, for all of his faults, at least understood and was a pragmatist where he said, God forbid the rich people leave. You need the rich people for this to work. We I mean he also said if you're a Republican, get the hell out of here too. So. Well he said the businesses more so than the individual no, he, people. He said he oh Cuomo definitely taught it out. He said if you're uh what did he call him? He said if you're oh, something I do about remember this. It was about uh, if you're, you know, pro life pro or whatever. Life. Like it was some some variation of that. It was like you can, you know, get out of New York State, you're not welcome here or some variation of that some yeah that was just not smart like you you have to realize that that's not smart either and look well here's what can i there's a go ahead side note and i apologize this isn't on the thing you want to know how much trouble we're going to be in very shortly all right so basically we all know that we spend entirely too much money on every level of government nothing is running sustainably whatsoever that no state is no federal government certainly not most local governments aren't they all rely on money from the one above them in order to have a balanced budget and the federal government just spends money like a drunken sailor on leave so here's the problem the tax revenues have always gone up for like the last 10 years 
not coincidentally because the highest, highest, highest tax earners usually are not being taxed at ordinary income rates. They're being taxed on long-term capital gains taxes, which means they have investment income, not wages like most people would earn. Most people go out, you have a job, you earn money. Even if you make 500 grand a year, you pay your FICA, you pay everything else, you pay your ordinary income tax in your individual brackets, life goes on. But the, the wealthiest people, the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musks, even down like probably the top, let's go with one and a half percent of income earners who pay something like 50% of the tax base. Their income is all derived from investment income from owning Amazon and having the valuation go up. So the problem that we're going to have right now is, I don't know if anybody paid attention to the stock market in 2022. It wasn't great. And the problem with really, really rich people is they're either really smart or they hire people that are really smart about how to take advantage of that. So they're all about to take massive losses. I believe I just saw that Elon Musk became the first person to ever lose $200 billion. Is that right? Yeah, that's okay. Guess what he gets to do with all of these Teslas that he sold at a loss? He gets to pay less tax on it. Now, he probably still had a gain on it because he he's owned it forever. I doubt he bought it at the peak and then sold low. But he still gets to pay way less in taxes right now. So he's going to offload a bunch. Or he's going to donate it to a foundation or do whatever else and cut that down. So the problem being, if you don't have that long-term capital gain tax revenue anymore because the stock market didn't gain for the first time since 2011, I think, is the first year the S&P has actually been negative on the year. And at the same time, we've just forty billion for Ukraine, another eighty billion for Ukraine. We got the what was the plan? The Inflation Reduction Act that was nothing to do with reducing inflation. The omnibus spending, they didn't cut a thing. But their tax base is definitely going to go down. So, how does that work exactly? Are they going to get fiscally responsible? Probably not. If we're going to let history be our guide, what's the saying? Money printer go. Brrr. That's about what they, look out. About second quarter of this year, I'd, I'd keep an eye out for the interest rates to suddenly come down. And Jay Powell going to hit that green button on the money printer. And we're going to have, and then we'll have a return of inflation. I mean, I will say that you're making that assertion under the idea that they actually want a healthy economy. Because I don't know that they actually do. I think they kind of really want to drive it as far down as they possibly can first. And they're and, doing a really good job. And I think they're going to incre- maintain interest rates at a high level until... Oh, they'll do it till it breaks. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. They're, it's going to break. So. Yeah. No, that's, and that's what I mean. We're going to be in trouble because they're going to do this too much. And I don't think they fully understand the consequences of what happens when you I do I think that. they fully understand the consequences they and do. they want it to happen. I know they want it to happen, but I don't think they fully grasp the idea of like. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's unintended consequences that they're going to be there, but they really want. I mean, listen, they're, they're trying to get rid of jobs, right? I mean, they're literally yes. trying to make unemployment higher. Here's my here's my contention contention <laughs> concern I guess more than anything else. We believe that we are so evolved as a, as humanity that we are somehow smarter and better and more ethical and moral than all the the generations of people that came before us. However, how frequently in human history has mob mentality taken over where politicians literally have lives threatened and, and or are killed? It's happened in almost every society throughout history at some point. So, Guess what all of those societies thought about themselves right up until the moment stuff got real? That they were so evolved and egalitarian and better and uh, nobility-wise, and they were, they were just more refined and more advanced than those barbarians that had come before them. But guess what? When the chips go down and there's not food, stuff gets bad. 
I mean, I don't know who coined the phrase. I've said it on the show before. We are at any given moment in time nine meals away from anarchy. You are nine meals away from having total chaos. And I don't care how insulated you think you are as a politician. If you if the people think you're to blame, that mob mentality can come quick. And it can get very ugly very quickly. And this is where I think it's a travesty that nobody studies history anymore is that the lessons are all there. And when this happens, it gets really bad for a lot of people. A lot of people. So I hope it doesn't. But I also don't know how it doesn't at this point, I guess, is the is my fear. I'm not cheering for this by any means. I just don't know how it doesn't happen. It, it, that's what I mean about it. I don't think they fully anticipated all the consequences. I think they believe their own bullshit. I think they genuinely believe they are the masters of the universe and in control of everything without realizing if you push people too far, you're going to go past the limit of control. You're going to go You're going to go to chaos and anarchy and everything that comes with it. And that's not pretty. No, that shouldn't be pretty. All right. All right, let's move on. Well, before we move on to COVID files, let me remind everybody again to please like and share the video. Uh, leave us a rumble. Subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to us on your uh, favorite podcast uh, service, please pull over, leave us a five-star rate and review, and uh, all that stuff helps us, helps the show get found, helps us spread the message, and uh, helps the show out against the uh, algorithm, the overlords of the algorithm here. So, all right. COVID files, Mr. Hughesong. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, 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 dun. So David Zweig, who I stumbled upon many months ago when he wrote an article in the Atlantic, not quite one of the uh, outlets that I frequent. No. But he wrote a big article basically saying masks don't work, right? Or masking of kids don't work. This was, again, months ago in the Atlantic. So I've kind of had this guy on my radar a little bit being like, eh. This guy might actually have be, might be a free thinker, right? Might actually yeah. might report things that he otherwise or others otherwise wouldn't. So he somehow was. <clears throat> have you heard anywhere how Elon is deciding which journalist is receiving these files? No, because you know we Matt Taibbi, yep. Barry Weiss, yep. Michael Schellenberger, yep, and David Zweig. Okay. I really hope Kim Iverson gets the Fauci files because that oh, would be great. God. And then I really hope Luke Redkowski gets the Epstein files when they come out. Those are my, <laughs> <laughs> those are my two fingers crossed hope things. So, all right. But before we get into the COVID files, the Fauci files, uh, let me pull this up. Elon Musk, 22 hours ago. Hope you're having a great day one of 2023. One thing's for sure, it won't be boring. Juanita Broderick, we're not going to get into her, but she replies waiting for Fauci files right Elon Musk replies later this week (laughs) (laughs) so good I'm expecting Fauci files as early as today maybe uh sometime this week though for sure and I'm sure well this will be the uh we can I could probably already make the still for next week's show with Fauci files on the top so um we might talk about that yeah we might talk about that a little bit so let's go back to the COVID files and this is the Twitter files version that is basically, uh, as David Zweig uh, uh, wrote, how Twitter rigged the COVID debate. And I'm going to read some of his, his tweets here. And Ben, you stop me whenever you want to add some interjection here. So I'm just going to kind of read through some of the ones that I, I, I thought were interesting. Uh, for, first tweet. So the Twitter file. How Twitter rigged the COVID debate by censoring info that was true but inconvenient to U.S. government policy, by discrediting doctors and other experts who disagreed, and by suppressing ordinary users, including some sharing the CDC's own data, which 
we were probably part of that group. Uh, we're in, uh, uh, whatever the third part of that group of, uh, thing here. So, uh, this, this thread is, I don't know, like 29, 30 plus, uh, tweets here. So, um, let me try to find some of the ones that uh, were here. So internal files of Twitter that viewed while on assignment showed that both the Trump and Biden administration directly pressed Twitter executives to moderate the platform's pandemic content according to their wishes. So at the onset of the pandemic, according to meeting notes, the Trump administration was especially concerned about panic buying. They came looking for help from the tech companies to combat misinformation about run on grocery stores, but there were runs on grocery stores. So, um, stop real quickly here. So obviously there was communication with Twitter, with the previous administration, along with this administration. Uh, I'm guessing it seems as though for different reasons, you know, the panic buying was definitely happening. I mean, there were people, I mean, I remember, and I've said the story many times I went into BJ's and not realizing that people were panic buying and was like, Oh look, they renovated. And I was like, Nope, it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I was wrong. Like I people, was people are panicking, and there Toilet was little, paper. There was no meat. There was lo- no meat in BJ's. No beef. It was empty. I was like looking at this thing. I was like, this cannot be real. Like I was literally. It, that was when I, at that moment, when I walked into BJ's at that time, is when I realized that this was way bigger than it ever should. I mean, it was beyond what I had ever yeah. seen before. So, um. Oh, I'm going to go to number seven, David Zweig here. I'm just going to go back to the thread here. It wasn't just Twitter. The meetings with Trump White House also attended by Google, Facebook, and Microsoft. So there was uh, a big tech conglomerate that was uh, basically being fed information from the administrations, both Trump and Biden. But let me go to number eight here. When the Biden administration took over, one of their first meeting requests with Twitter executive was on COVID. The focus was an anti-vaxxer account, especially Alex Berenson, somebody who we have uh, been citing uh, citing from the beginning here. I have uh, his uh, books over here, the uh, unreported truths of COVID and masks and vaccines, all that stuff. So I have a couple of those here. He was, I don't know about enemy number one, but he was right there at the top of the accounts that were targeted by the Biden administration. And if you remember, uh, Berenstein uh, well, here it is in number 10 here. Berenstein sued and then settled with Twitter. In the legal process, Twitter was compelled to release certain internal communications which showed direct White House pressure on the company to take action on Berenson. And so this, I think this is from Andy Slavitt here. I'm not going to pull it up in here, but I, I feel like there was Andy Slavitt was part of the COVID response team for the Biden administration. And he basically was using his uh, direct channel with those at Twitter content moderation to target Alex Berenson, among others. And his account was eventually suspended. Um, let's see here. What else do we got? Uh, let me read these two. In a December 22 summary of the meetings with the White House by Lauren Culbertson, Twitter's head of U.S. public policy, adds new evidence of the White House pressure campaign and cements that it repeatedly attempted to direct influence on the platform. Culbertson wrote that Biden team was very angry that Twitter had not been more aggressive in deplatforming multiple accounts. They wanted Twitter to do more. So this is, you know, this is where, and we'll get into what the FBI's response to what this was. Um, you know, this is the the debate from the left and the right, right? So, so me and you, I think, would a- agree that the federal government should not be pressuring uh, any big tech platform about content moderation. If they felt there was a security risk of some sort 
I understand maybe uh, uh, highlighting that and bringing that to the attention of people, but to actively suppress accounts. And again, some of those were, you know, again, we'll talk about the great Barrington declaration folks, but like doctors who are just having a alternative opinion were being basically silenced and being taken off the platform yep. or being shadow banned or being somehow suppressed so that their message was, was, you know, not seen by the public. So, um, and like I said, I guess to some of Twitter's credit, they didn't just buckle down and like just do everything the Biden administration wanted, but there was clearly a path. And now the FBI says that we were just offering suggestions and that they can do their own uh, content moderation. But it seems pretty crazy that the fact that the these intelligence agencies, because I don't think the FBI was alone, had direct access to people within Twitter who were making the final decisions on who was allowed to uh, uh, share their opinions on the platform. So um, let me keep reading down here something, unless you want to add something here at any time, please, please do. Um, I'm just still on my same wavelength of, for the love of God, people read and study history. Because anytime the government gets this type of a mouthpiece and takes this active of a role in the political and public discourse, it does not go well. Even if you say, well, it's the, they didn't force Twitter to do anything. Okay, so again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the same analogy. If Donald Trump was personally on the line with everybody at Twitter saying, look, these people that are discussing all these, uh, what was a good one? Russia, Russia, like this is misinformation and I want every one of them banned. And they went, well, it's a private company. So he's like, you can do what you want. But now the FBI starts kind of like, hey, this is all disinformation. You would just be like, well, no, it's their decision. Like, no, it's inappropriate for the federal government to even be inputting in this in interfering with the actions of the private company as it pertains to the free speech. Yeah. It's terrible. Even if it's not illegal, it's just terrible. Yeah, and I've asked people this who, you know, most of these Twitter files have been dismissed by the left and the mainstream media as nothing burgers, right? That's pretty much the, the word they, they choose. Or uh, as Taibi liked to, to, to PR for the richest guy in the world. Right. So those are the things that, you know, basically they just try to discredit anybody who is speaking out against speak, it. Yeah. So um, let me go back to uh, the, the Twitter thread here. Number 14. But Twitter did suppress views, many from doctors and scientific experts that con conflicted with the original positions of the White House. As a result, legitimate findings and questions would have been expanded. The public debate went missing. So this is basically what the Great Barrington Declaration tried to do. Right. They tried to basically inject an alternative plan of attack against COVID basically saying, Hey, we're doing a bunch of things wrong. Here's some additional, here's some alternative ways we could try to be better at it. And for offering a potential solution, they were silenced and suppressed and, you know, mocked and ridiculed. And, uh, as we know, Fauci and, uh, Francis Collins basically uh, referred to them as fringe epidemiologists, the guy from Stanford, the guy from Harvard and the girl from Oxford fringe epidemiologists um it's like saying alan dershowitz is a fringe attorney he's a pedo but anyway well yeah um it's i just saw the word philippines got distracted there for a second anyway the i did it was in the thread but it was um, because they used content moderations from the philippines yeah so basically this this they didn't even have they had some real life people moderating the content and suppressing some of the stuff but a lot of it was done by just bots and like outsourced companies right. who were just like they had a general guideline of what they were supposed to be suppressing and if they saw the word whether well, got what kind of context it was used they just basically suppressed and shadow banned some of these tweets so um 
with so this is uh being a let me kind of find some of these uh, interesting. Um, oh, here we go. Number 20, Exhibit A. Dr. Moulton Kaldorf, an epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School, tweeted views at odds with U.S. public health authorities and the American left, the political affiliation of nearly the entire staff at Twitter. So let me pull this up here. So this is the tweet that got Martin Kaldorf basically targeted and shadow banned. Um, so the, somebody asked a question, Dr. Koldorf, do you think younger age groups and or people who already had the virus need to be vaccinated? I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I am vaccine hesitant about this one. It seems to be a religious mantra now that everyone must be vaccinated. And this is from March 15th, I'm guessing of 2021. So here's Martin Kaldorf's quote tweet reply to that question. Flat out, no. In the answer, do younger people in age groups who already had the virus need to be vaccinated? No, says Martin Kaldorf. Thinking that everyone must be vaccinated is as scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should. COVID vaccines are important for older high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior natural infection do not need nor do need it, nor children. So these two things early on in March of 2021 were blasphemy in the COVID religion, right? Or like you common cannot, knowledge in this studio. Sure, common knowledge here blasphemous outside of the studio people who had natural infection have and as it turns out better immunity than anybody else those vaccinated or not and children it posed no threat to threat to them and there was no need for them to be vaccinated so this but you know what i would call general thinking seeming very reasonable very uh, uh thought out was considered again, blasphemy and misinformation in the world of COVID. COVID. So, and let me just follow this up here. So internal emails show that intent to action by a moderator saying Koldorf's tweet violated the company. This is the, the, re, the tweet I just shared to you is now being discussed internally at Twitter here uh, as I go forward. Um, it violated the company's COVID-19 misinformation policy and claimed he shared false information. So here, let me read the, uh, this is somebody at, I don't know who's sharing this. Maybe it's a uh, uh, an FBI agent. But hi, team. Sending a heads up that will take action on Martin Kaldorf, professor at Harvard Medical School, for violating our COVID nineteen misinformation policy. So this is somebody internally at Twitter, basically alerting the guideline or the content moderation people at, at Twitter, uh, basically saying that he violated their COVID policies. Which, if in fact that's a violation of their COVID policies, obviously the policies are shit. <laughs> um. So Kohler's statement was an expert opinion, one which also happened to be in line with vaccine policies in numerous other countries, yet it was deemed false information by Twitter moderators merely because it differed from CDC guidelines. So again, just back to Martin Kohler, Harvard medical professor, is one of the original three signees of uh, Great the Great Barrington Declaration, along with uh, Jay Bhattacharya and Siddhartha Gupta. It ended up having, you know, 10,000 additional doctors and, and or more uh, uh, sign on to that. But they were one of the original ones. And it wasn't just Martin Kaldorf. Now, I, I don't know who Kelly KGA is, and I don't want to, let's see if I can, uh, Kelly K, Internet Rando, basically. So she, I'm guessing she, was also part of the, uh, she shared some CDC, like a chart from the CDC-owned website and got uh labeled misleading and misinformation. So it wasn't just highly qualified doctors with uh, what would seem to be influential opinions. It was rando internet people who were just sharing information 
that was readily available from the CDC's own website also being uh, labeled as misleading and misinformation. So it wasn't, it was multiple levels. I mean, there was the general level that we talked about where there was just bots and moderators and people were just generally scanning for uh, words that violated or may have violated their, their policies. But then they were targeting certain individuals who were, what I'm guessing, were sharing information that would be damaging to the narrative. Uh, one more of our favorite follows here, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, hand it off to you in a second because I feel like Andrew Bostom, a Rhode Island physician, was permanently suspended from Twitter after receiving multiple strikes for misinformation. One of his strikes was sent for a tweet referring to the results from a peer-reviewed study on mRNA vaccines. And I'll pull this up. Uh, Andrew Bostom, MD, uh, primary COVID-19 BNT162B mRNA vaccination temporarily impairs semen concentration and total mobile total modal count uh, among semen donors with apparent rebound by five months, but no data on boostering effect. Does boostering yield another decline? So this is basically asserting that, and this is in a peer-reviewed study, that the vaccine was at least temporarily causing problems with uh, semen production. So Again, this are, these are all things that were should have been red flags to the establishment being like, hey, maybe we should slow this down. But instead of taking any kind of pause with any of these or any kind of hesitation whatsoever, they were suppressed and they just steamrolled right over these folks and just kept going with their with their vaccine rollout. So that's the I mean, again, we're at about 31 here. There might be a little bit more here on this uh, David's Zweig uh, thread here, but I don't know this. It, it is what we all thought it was. I mean, it seems as though this is exactly what we thought was going on. And I mean, we, we can talk about all the weird anomalies when Elon took over about the increase and decrease of followers among the left and the right uh, uh, leaning uh, accounts and how there must have been some type of internal mechanism that was, uh, uh, again, shadow banning or blocking some of these accounts from seeing each other, or interacting with each other. But it's, the fact that it is what we thought it was and that they're that the mainstream media and the folks of the of those same ilk are basically dismissing it as nothing to me it just means that they were literally complicit in this whole thing they knew it was happening and they didn't care and they wanted it to happen so there is no reporting on it in the after fact because it is what it is so i don't know it's hard for me to it's hard for me to get again because i think nothing ever happens to these people and I don't think anything's going to happen to these people. I would like to think that, you know, Twitter has turned over. I mean, listen, all these other big tech platforms, they, they don't have Elon at the helm. So they're all probably all still enacting all these same uh, suppression policies and uh, uh, keeping uh, alternative opinions off their platforms. But it's just as bad as I had thought it was. And it's, I guess, not shocking, but demoralizing that nobody seems to care. Yeah, when all the mistakes go in the same direction, it's not a mistake, all right? It, it, when every single judgment call, when every single accident all benefits one side against the other, then it's it's no longer an accident, and to believe so is just an abundance of naivete. Is it the, Sure, it's the right way of saying that. Here's the thing. If you came out and said something as nuanced as, hey, this study shows that when you got double jab with mRNA, there was a direct correlation of a reduction in the motility and overall count of sperm in young men. We don't not yet know what's going to happen with boosters, but 
we should be asking that question. And that gets labeled as disinformation. However, Anthony Fauci and anybody else who wanted to can come out and say the vaccines not only prevent serious illness, it also appears that they are going to stop transmission. And on this show, when they said that, we said flat out, there's no way you can draw that conclusion. That's not possible. That somehow didn't get flagged. Hmm. That's interesting. Or when it, when Anthony Fauci and then all of his minions in the legacy media and just the country and world in general, when he came out and said, all right, well, we're hoping with the booster shot, not only there, there's been a reduction in the, in the protection, but we're hoping that that's going to increase the immediate effectiveness and the long-term durability so that we won't need more. more. And it, we think that that's gonna, what's going to happen. And we said on the show, there is no way you could draw that conclusion from this data. There is absolutely no reason to believe that outside of blind hope. That never got labeled as potential misinformation. Oh, they're weird. still up. Right. All those tweets are still up. So the idea that the vaccine stops you from getting it was false, and it was demonstrably false at the time. That's my problem is it's not like they got proven wrong. It, they were drawing conclusions that they had no business making. So... Then they came out and said, well, it looks like it also stops transmission. No, they didn't even test that. They never even tested it on transmission. Oh, it's safe for pregnant women. They never tested it on pregnant women. Oh, it's safe for kids. They didn't test it on kids. And then they came out and said that it, the titers, it, it increases the, uh, the titers in immune response, which we believe is going to be greater, um, greater protection. And then they got them under oath a year later and said, is there any reason to believe that those two things are related? And they were like, no. But that went on for a year, and now, even now, it's not being labeled as misinformation. All of the tests that show that every time somebody came out and said, oh, masks are highly effective, and that none of that ever got labeled as, like, no, even after we knew, like, it's been so conclusively demonstrated that masks were useless, it's still out there. That's my problem. Vitamin D studies, obesity studies, like, all of these things are there, and none of them ever got flagged. 18 months for them to admit that it was airborne. Right. 18 months. 18 months. And my God, what a lucky guess that was for us on this show, having read about five studies. And I know I'm a giant nerd who actually sits down and reads this stuff. But as soon as you read it, you knew it was airborne. There was no question about it. Because of the way that people were getting sick, it was it was the zebras analogy. It was like living in the Midwest and hearing hoofs and going like, oh, it must be zebras. But why wouldn't you assume it's horses? Like, there are no zebras here. So it's the same exact analogy of when they were when they did all this. Of course, it was airborne transmission. It was it was such a ludicrous position to think that it wouldn't be, right? And, and you know, just to being airborne would basically render masks, plexiglass, surface cleaning, all that stuff irrelevant and nonsensical, and basically destroying the what I consider the fear aspect of the pandemic. Because nobody would have realized we were in a pandemic if everybody wasn't wearing a mask, and there wasn't plexiglass all over every store, and people weren't spraying down stuff every time somebody walked by. Listen, it's actually scarier that it's airborne than it's droplet. Sure. But here's the thing. It's so scary because there's nothing you can do. We do not have any reasonable mitigation technique to stop the transmission of an aerosolized virus. Short of walking around with a nebulizer on everywhere you go, with like an active filtration system, there is nothing you can do about it. It's just there. And we've been living with them for the human's entire existence. We have dealt with respiratory viruses. I guess, and then now, even now, we know there are vaccine injuries. So when they come out and say safe and effective, how come that's never flagged as misleading? How? 
How is it that they got away with saying that this was safe for five-year-old children when they did? And now for six-month-old children, that there was any benefit, even though now we know demonstrably the studies for kids literally did not have any reduction whatsoever in COVID illness amongst kids. All it did is it activated the antibodies and the titers and the immune response for, for the children with the vaccine. And now... Pfizer has acknowledged there is no correlation between increased immune response and actual increased protection from COVID. None exists. Somehow they can still say this is safe and effective for kids. They're still running ads on, I see ads on the radio and TV still. Right. So this is my point. If you came out and said anything that was at all skeptical of the vaccines or the official narrative in any way, like even if it was reasonable, even if it was nuanced, even if you were careful with your words, even if you said something as insane as, hey, uh, natural immunity, like acquired immunity seems to be really long lasting. You got misleading. Like it was, it, there was no way it was an accident. There's I got, just, I got yelled at by possible. my mom. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, she told me, she goes, your immunity long is going to last three months. And I was like, no, it ain't. Why do you think that? And, she, I mean, literally somebody, she had clearly been told or read that natural immunity did not work. And she Even was, if that's right, it's still two months longer than the vaccine well, lasts. This was early on. So I know. There was I no, uh, but this is my problem with, with all of this is as soon as you are beholden to an authority, you have lost sight of the purpose of free speech. As soon as you just say, this is the right speech and everything else is wrong and anything that goes against this means you're an anti-vaxxer, you're spreading misinformation, you're trying to kill grandma. Like, no, I'm trying to ascertain the truth, and I need to be allowed the, the freedom to get it wrong because God knows the other side was allowed plenty of freedom to get it wrong with zero flags and zero consequence. They, they got it all wrong. That's the simple reality of looking back now, if you were going to really be objective and no human being is actually capable of true objectivity, but if we were, there is no argument. It's over. The discussion should have ended. The mRNA vaccines being rolled out in the manner that they were was a gigantic mistake and will go down as one of the greatest public health screw-ups in the history of humankind. We hope. As it should. Because it was. The idea that they pushed the things on kids and that people went to bat and, and literally injected children with this stuff when it was so little was known, and then they kept pushing the idea that schools were these massive centers of spread when all of the evidence that indicated no, it wasn't. Yeah, no. To me, that was just they needed this... They could tell that nobody was scared enough as right. adults, so they needed to scare everybody with their kids. Right. And that was where I, I don't understand. I do understand because it wasn't an objective analysis of the data. It wasn't a genuine pursuit of the truth. It was propaganda as facilitated by the Twitter employees and executives and pushed by the uh, health officials and bureaucrats of two different presidential administrations. Because if you don't think Trump was guilty of the same exact stuff, you're lying to yourself. He was. The idea that there was no run on grocery stores is laughably false. Of course there was runs at grocery stores. People panicked. And it turns out it was a terrible idea. Because now we know that COVID had actually been in America for months before we acknowledged it. And now PCR tests. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about PCR tests. And the idea that a PCR test is at all reliable. What well, we did. We talked about all the flaws in a PCR test. So that, that never got brought up. Like, this is where it became so frustrating to be, like, actively involved in this, I don't know, discussion. Like yeah, to, to, A one-sided to, discussion, but, yeah, go ahead. Right, to, be, to literally be, the, to be looking at it and reading the stuff that they're putting out and going, you're lying. 
And then I put it up on social media of like, this is nonsense. When West Genesee School said they're going to follow the ABC collaborative and they they recommend masking based on these five studies. I read all five studies. I put something up on Facebook that just said, here's a quote from every one of these studies. And every one of the studies said we did not test masks specifically. We did not test masks. We did not test masks. And, and people gave me such pushback for that of like, oh, you're just going to go cherry pick? Like, I, no, I'm not the one cherry picking. I'm the one who read it. They cherry picked the data that they wanted, even though it directly went in, um, it directly went against what the authors of the study said they actually tested. Like they're drawing conclusions that can't possibly be drawn from the data that they actually collected. And I'm getting accused of cherry picking. The irony was just more than I could take. And it was, do you think I have some kind of financial incentive to do this? Do you, I mean, really, do you think I have some incentive to like put myself out here and just go get arguing left, right, and center? I promise you, I don't. I just needed the truth to be said by somebody. And if it was me, fine. And I got, you know, 30 people that I can spread it to, I'll take it. That was all I had. And then you and I would sit here and go back and forth on of like, this just, it never made sense. And now it makes total sense because the government had a thumb on the scale. And if you're okay with that, fine. But just understand, that means you are okay with totalitarianism as long as it's on your side. That's all that means. That means you are okay with the government dictating what is true and what is false as long as it is your side that's in power. And that makes you a hypocrite. That's fine. You are who you are, but please don't claim to be a liberal. Please don't claim that you stand up for some individual rights. No, you don't. You stand up for whatever is best for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. God bless you. Go live your life. But let's just try not to be full of shit. Yeah. And just to wrap this up, just the, the response from the FBI on, on these Twitter files basically was being like, uh, it's a shame the conspiracy theorists yeah. are trying to besmirch us as we work so hard to protect you. So is any of it false? Yeah. Oh, we didn't touch on that. No. Nope. Yeah. So they, they just to Ben's point, they basically labeled all the Twitter files that pointed out the fact that the FBI had influence over content moderation, whereas just a conspiracy theory out there to tarnish the reputation of the FBI. They're doing a good enough job without yeah. anybody else helping there. It's 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 beyond it's it's be it's it's so hard to kind of walk everything so far back that you if somebody came to you right now and be like, tell me everything you know. And start, like, start, you know, from, co I want to be an open mind. Like, where would you even start, right? There's so much stuff to go back and be like, I've got to deconstruct so much of the, uh, what was told in public to get anybody to actually just start from a, a, a clean space so that they can kind of build forward. It's so hard to do at this point, two years later, but yeah, it's crazy. All right. On that note, anything else you'd like to leave the uh, folks with until next week? No, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. We thank, both thank you for tuning in. And uh, uh, on that note, we will let you go until next Monday for the Fauci Files edition of uh, Sports Clicks and Politics. Uh, hopefully we'll have some, uh, some information as we build up to the launch of season four, which I'm going to, maybe we'll, since I'm going to be gone in February, we'll plan this all out and then we'll relaunch in March when I get back as whatever we're going to do. So maybe season four Love it. of Sports Clicks and Politics comes to you uh, sometime in early March. And uh, we uh, kind of revamp the show a little bit, uh, get more uh, uh, special guests in here. And, you know, we've talked about having some recurring guests like uh, John Salka. Yes, sir. I think John Salka would run for governor in 2024. That'd be fun. I'm on board. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll find out. All right. So on that note, I thank you all for tuning in and listening to us uh, rant about our uh, uh, 
I don't know what they, what we have, uh, 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 an abundance of, uh, I don't even know, like nothing makes sense. It's, it's so crazy. So it's, it's, no, everything makes sense, but nothing makes sense. If you believe that there's like, this is all on the up and up, there's no possible way to draw that conclusion reasonably from the data that is available to you. It's just not possible. All right. And it's factually correct. All right. I'll let you guys go. We'll see you all next week for the, uh, what I'm going to guess is the Fauci Files edition of Sports Clicks and Politics. So on that note, thank you all. We'll see you all again next Monday. Go ahead.